Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast with your hosts, Jamie Monroe and Colleen McGarity. This podcast is dedicated to all things women's lacrosse. We will break down top games of the week, discuss coaching strategies, and lacrosse recruiting. We will even bring in some of the game's top coaches and players as special guests. And now, here are your hosts, Jamie and Colleen. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Inside the Eight podcast. We are back here today with Billy Olin, the assistant coach at Clemson. Um, I'm very excited to have Billy, especially after just spending the whole entire weekend with him at Charleston's Finest, coaching uh, for two full days and getting to know him on the field, off the field. Um, so, Billy, thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you for having me. I got to say, I'm, I'm a big podcast guy. So this is <laughs> being a guest on a podcast is like a little bit of a checkbox on the bucket <laughs> list. So appreciate you having Perfect. me. Perfect. I'm writing that down and I have a feeling we're going to have a lot to talk about. So you definitely will be back for a part two, I'm sure. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so Billy, give me a little bit of background of like, what, where you played, uh, where did you start coaching and what got you to, you know, this amazing job you're at right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I was a goalie at Rutgers University, um, graduated in 2010. My first job was at SUNY Potsdam as a graduate assistant under Rick Berkman. And I took it because I wanted to get my master's paid for so I could teach. I wanted to coach and teach. After a week on the field in fall ball, my first month there at Potsdam, I, I was like, you know what, forget the teaching part. I just want to coach. So I did two years there, um, worked in the club space under Chris Saran on the boys' side. This is all on the boys' side um, with Iron Horse Lacrosse. I was down there for like six, seven months in Texas. And then I became the head coach, head men's coach at Capital University in Columbus, Ohio. Um, startup program in the Ohio Athletic Conference. I did four years there. Um, we won a couple uh, regular season titles. Um, it was one of the most rewarding experiences of my life, starting a program, um, even at the Division three level, which kind of ties into where I am now. Um, but when I was at Capitol, I continued to be involved on the women's side. And I worked with goalies through Midwest Force, um, through Lucky Lax, and really just enjoyed the game, um, enjoyed coaching the, the young women. I think it was a more... Uh, free-flowing game. It appealed more to my sensibilities um, and just started applying for women's jobs. I had a young family, so I couldn't just jump at anything. Um, and lucky enough, uh, applied at Cornell University and Jenny Grapp, um, longtime coach there, took a chance and um, phone interviewed me. And, you know, a week later, I was up on campus. And then for some reason, she hired me. Um <laughs> Had a, had a great six years there, um, coached both sides of the ball, and then three years ago became the first ever uh, associate head coach for women's lacrosse at Cornell, and then uh, took the job at Clemson. So it's been, I feel like I've been at every level, boys, girls, men, women, high school, club, mm -hmm. college. Um, so it's been kind of a winding road, you know. Um, That's awesome. Journey, yeah. That's really cool. So, I mean... A lot of times they say like the best owners of a business or like the best people that get the top have done everything. And you've kind of, you've done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah um, no. That's great. So you close, you coach both ends of the ball at Cornell. So you did offense defense mm -hmm. goalies. Explain, yeah. Like how did your like role develop and change over time? 
Yeah. So when I got hired at Cornell, um, I was hired as a defensive coordinator and uh, the first assistant, um, which was kind of funny because I was coaching offense um, as the head coach at uh, Capital, but had a defensive background and came in. And I mean, we had some good D's, you know, when I was uh, when I was running it there. And over time, Jenny and I would, you know, talk offense. And one of the things about Jenny Grapp, for those of you that don't know her, she's very, very curious about people's thought processes. And so we would go back and forth and we had another terrific assistant on staff, Margaret Corzell, um, who took my job as associate head coach when I left. And Margaret was ready to run a defense. And um, Jenny was like, you know what? I like your ideas offensively. She wanted to take a, a little bit of a step back and be involved on both sides a little bit more. And so I shifted over to the offense and, um, which was fantastic and ran it the last couple of years. And with the shot clock and the free movement and those sorts of things, I think my men's background did help with some of that. So it was, uh, it was perfect just being able to kind of break my teeth, you know, um, yeah. in on the women's game on both sides at a high level. Totally. Um, and now after that background and all of your experience there, what are you running at Clemson now? So at Clemson, I'm running the offense um, okay. and then obviously coaching our goalies with my goalie background. But it's yep. been, you know, really cool. Coach Allison down here, who is a fantastic coach, you know, takes ideas from everybody. So even though she's kind of running the defense, we're, you know, always having conversations about that. And it's been a really unique experience with a brand new staff. And then, you know, we'll get into it, I think, when we start talking Clemson. But just bringing in people from different backgrounds as student athletes and trying to mash those all together to put a product on the field. Yeah, totally. That's awesome. Um, I mean, I actually, being able to go from one side to the other, I think makes you ultimately better at that one side. If you just stay at one side and never saw it that way. Yeah. Um, it's hard. You know, I always, I have a defensive background as well, as well, but naturally when you become a head coach, you have to worry about the offense because you need to score goals to win. So yeah, but I always put it in like a defensive mindset. I'm like, like, you know what I mean? If they're going that way, like which way would is easier to, you know what I mean? Just telling them to see it in both ways. Mm -hmm. um, so now starting a program at Clemson, you got to start a program a while back too. So you kind of already had that background. Yeah. Um, how's it going? What's the buzz on campus? I'd say like, what is your guys like biggest, I don't know, excitement about starting a program or what's been the hardest thing? What's been, you know, the most exciting thing so far? Yeah, I mean, it's just such an incredible opportunity. And I think I did start it at a, you know, at a lower level, Division Three. Um, you know, one one hundredth of the resources that are at Clemson. But I think just being able to be hands-on on the first of everything, the first, you know, the first practice, the first team meeting, the first team dinner, first road trip, and then just starting to build, you know, that buzzword, which is culture, um, is really, really exciting. And it's it's been going great. I think, you know, the most exciting aspect, and I don't know if this will ever be able to happen again. It's just the way we've built the program. Obviously, the transfer portal has been in the news, obviously, football, basketball, but you know, Allison came here 18 months ago, 15 months ago, and putting, you know, being able to play this year, we had to really rely on that transfer portal. And with that, 
comes kind of what I alluded to earlier is you have these student athletes coming from successful programs, right? From UNC, Maryland, the Pac-12, I mean, from all over the place. And they've been exposed to different coaching, different background, different language. And bringing that all together and creating our own thing is the most exciting part. It's been super rewarding, but it's also, I wouldn't say difficult, but it's been, we want to take great care doing it, right? And we yeah. want to make sure that, you know, maybe I call a pick one thing, but, you know, the girl coming from Colorado called it, a, you know, something else. And yep. so just setting the language and the terminology has been really, really, you know, kind of a kind of a cool situation because, you know, most programs, they have a couple years to build it up. They bring in a couple classes where we have one freshman class and then we got a bunch of transfers. We're going to go play a full ACC schedule. So yeah. I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a unique opportunity. And one, hopefully, you know, I don't know if the transfer portal will be the same um, you know, hopefully, a, you know, another uh, pandemic won't come around that gives. Yeah, these- seriously, let's hope. You know, but weirdly, weirdly, COVID helped a program starting from scratch, like you guys, because of the transfer portal. Yes, I mean, we have, you know, we have players from like Davidson, right, who are yeah. top players on their teams who had this fifth year and they couldn't do it at Davidson, and so yeah. those people had that extra year and they were like, you know what? not ready for my career to be over. Let's do it on, you know, let's do it at a yeah. place like Clemson. So totally. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. super. We, Hannah Nielsen and I, who you were with uh, this past weekend as well, we were assistant coach for Ann Elliott at Colorado when we yeah. started the program. So I totally understand and resonate with a lot of what you're saying, but our first year was 22 freshmen, no upperclassmen whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was crazy. And like I, you just said, it's, something you can't explain and it's hard to, you know, you'll, you won't be able to experience it unless you're with the beginning of a program, but you get to create that culture. And that part is so cool where changing a culture is probably way more difficult. Yes. Yes. I was talking to a coach this past weekend and, you know, she came into a, to a program and she said, I would only start something. I probably, you know, if I ever left again, I would only start something because coming in and trying to, you know, get people aligned with your vision. is a whole lot harder when they have two, three years at that institution. And if you're coming in and shaking things up, it's just a little bit different. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity here, especially with the resources. And you look at what, you know, Allison did at Richmond. And with, you know, not the same resources, obviously, not the same funding, but her culture was so strong. And you talk to the graduates that came through that Richmond program and they all love her, you know, and they just love the program. They speak highly of their experience there. And I think, you know, being able to see her do this again firsthand is tremendously beneficial for me and my growth as a coach and learning from her just it's unbelievable that's awesome yeah I mean you really are seeing it all with your path of where you've been going to Cornell which has been one of the most established programs for forever and now starting one from scratch at one of the most reputable like biggest football style big ACC um, schools so now this season you guys start um how was your guys first fall you guys competed so how did it go 
<laughs> you know, it was, it's funny. We were just talking about it. We had our first team dinner and there were girls still introducing themselves to each other, <laughs> you know, like, oh, hey, I'm so-and-so from here. Oh, great. Nice to meet you. And so seeing the growth through the fall was just incredible. You know, our first fall tournament, we had to have like a meeting with administration to just explain like what the game, you know, management was, what we needed from them. Um, and, you know, and then seeing it at the end where our team is finally gelled, you know, trying to figure out each other's tendencies, um, just all those things were just, we were really happy with the growth that we displayed. And, you know, we played a top 20, you know, preseason ranked top 20 Jacksonville team and competed well with them. And just, you know, overall, I think the fall was all about just establishing what Clemson lacrosse was about and really putting, you know, those major like core values out there and reinforcing them every day, you know, and making sure that they know what we're talking about and that informs our play as well. And so overall, we would call it super successful because we've gotten down, you know, the, the foundation of the lacrosse piece, but more importantly, you know, these girls who were introducing themselves at that first team dinner, when they were leaving for Thanksgiving break, they're all like, oh, I'm so sad. I have to leave. Like, we don't want to go home. So just seeing those relationships strengthen was incredibly heartwarming for us as a coaching staff. Yeah, that's awesome. And now what's the countdown? You guys are obviously going on winter break. Who do you open up with? And you guys have a big, big couple of months ahead of you. Yeah. So we're like under two months to that first game, which is it's kind of wild to me because obviously I spent six years in the Ivy League and we couldn't even start practice till February oh, yeah. 1. So our our um our team will be back on campus February 11th. We'll shift into our eight hours. Obviously, we have the universal start rule with all the Division One programs, so we won't mm-hmm. get all in till January 21st. And then we open up okay. February 11th against Wofford, um, which is okay. about 45 minutes away. Um, in Spartanburg, they're coming to us and there's a lot of excitement on campus for, you know, lacrosse to come. I think, uh, you know, I obviously wear Clemson stuff all the time and I'm out in the community and people are like, oh yeah, go Tigers. Like, did you go there? And I'm like, no, I'm a coach. And all of a sudden, you know, we start talking lacrosse and I mean, I think I bought a couch from a guy who was like, yeah, (laughs) we were adding lacrosse. And so, saw the national championship game that was on TV and I'm like, I need to see what's going on. And it was great. So I think they're excited. You know, the school's excited about what our student athletes, the energy around them um, coming in and being able to, you know, rock and roll and and start playing. Totally. So do you guys, I mean, you have, you're in the toughest conference potentially in in the country. (laughs) So do you guys have a, how many games do you have until you open up an ACC play? So we have four um, games, and then at the tail end of February, we go to Notre Dame, um, play inside there uh, as our first ACC opening game, which is, you know, I'm excited about. I think all these these girls that have come, you know, some came from within the ACC, obviously, but the ones coming from the A-10 or the Pac-12 or the MAC or wherever you want to call, we have an Ivy Leaguer. They're all excited to just, you know, see what it's like in this league. Yeah. I mean, like you said, arguably the toughest league in, in the country. Uh, definitely probably top two, you know, you would think. Yeah. And, uh, 
I just think, you know, being able to compete and see what we can put out there is, is really, really exciting. Totally. It's fun too. Cause like, I mean, hopefully you get a lot of wins. It'd be great if you guys come out of the gates, like crushing people, but like also just, you're going to be celebrating such small things too, as a team and a, a first to do this, a first to do that. Like those little goals and those little wins will just bring you guys together as a culture and just make it stronger for what's to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so explain to me kind of what your guys philosophy is as a staff. So like, what does Clemson lacrosse want to be known for? Um, based and like, what are your practice styles? Like, you know, so first let's talk about practice style and then I'll kind of get into offense and defense. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say practice style, we're big on everybody moving. You know, we don't want long lines. We don't want to just, you know, stop and talk. I mean, we transition from drill to drill and there's no wasted time. I'm really big on the efficiency of it. And that's something that I've always been been big on and, you know, linking up with Allison and seeing how she takes it another step has been incredibly uh, gratifying and it's a good alignment between us. And then, you know, we're, we're trying to, to teach them to, you know, be able to think in the heat of battle, right. In the heat of play. So we're not blowing it at a ton. We're making sure that we can, we're training our student athletes to go out there and be able to make decisions in you know, stressful environments. And so that's, that's the upbeat tempo. That's the competitiveness that we have in practice. I, I will say, you know, when we start going offense, defense, even uh, Allison and I will kind of, you know, get a little competitive with each other. It doesn't spill over to the office at all, but there might be a little bit of, a little bit of chirping, but you know, if I had to, if I had to dial it down to just, you know, we want to have joy and we want to compete, you know, and if we go out there and we do that, when we're planning practice, we want to make sure that we're accomplishing that, you know, and right. so being able to do that, I think is really something that if you came and watched us play or, you know, practice, wow, how fast we're going from drill to drill and the tempo we're playing at. And then too, how much fun and competitiveness is going on, I think is really a big part of what we're trying to communicate. Awesome. I'm excited to watch you guys. And I would love to get to a practice. Too, yeah, so absolutely. maybe I'll come down. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about offense. Obviously, you know, you probably don't want to share too much. You guys are opening up this season and mm -hmm. I'd love to get you on here maybe in like April when we talk yeah. about like games and all that stuff. And that's when a lot of coaches start open up more because yeah. obviously you can watch any game on television. So, um, but what is kind of your offensive, you know, philosophy? What are you teaching? What are you harping on with your girls? Or you might be going back to fundamentals because you're trying to get them on the same page. So talk to me a little bit about like two man, three man. Is it mainly working on shooting right now? What do you guys got going on? Yeah. So I think, you know, the big thing that I've always harped on is allowing our student athletes, putting them in situations, putting the players in situations where they can make decisions, right? And training them and putting them through not emotion, but putting them in situations where they improve on their decision-making. I'm not a big point A to point B to point C, and we're going to score a goal guy, you know, mm -hmm. or these are your options. The defense is going to give you the answer and go with it. So being able to read and react a little bit. So it's been a lot of 
the 4v4, the 3v3, the 2v2. Um, you know, the straight 2v2, obviously, we're on Jamie Monroe's, you know, this is how <laughs> this podcast, you yeah. know, Jamie's big on like the 2v2 plus a feeder, right? Like, I love that because now, you know, hey, is the pick working? No, it's not. Let's swing it. Let's see if we can get a feed opportunity. So working through those different decisions, I think, is the major part of what we did this fall. Um, and uh, and I think anything we do is going to be based beyond on that making decisions. I, I would say yeah. the other part that I'm really passionate about, and I got to I got to shout out Jenny because she was like, we need more feeding opportunities when I was at Cornell is the off ball movement and teaching them not scripted off ball, but learning how to like put pressure on a D, how to eliminate slides, how to, you know, make it harder for the D to communicate. If it's an off ball pick, if it's a, you know, you just cycle, you exchange, I think creating communication opportunities for the defense is creating opportunities for them to mess up and then us to get opportunities. So everything we do is based around those kind of two tenants. And then, you know, just kind of adapting to the skill sets we have. I would definitely say this fall has been different than other falls where we're just really trying to, okay, you're good at this. You're good at this. Let's put you in, in you know, a, uh, in a position where you can excel at your, your greatest strength. And so mm-hmm. that's been fun too. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I mean, obviously I coach that way too, working with Jamie and just learning from him every day. And he obviously watches hours and hours of film breaks it down so I'm like hey you're watching more film than me give me what you know some information what what should I be doing now but it's crazy when you set up drills a lot for high school kids and lower school kids um hopefully they're better in college but like if you tell them to read a situation sometimes they want to be told what to do like especially girls so like oh well should I dodge this way I'm like I don't know if you should dodge that way which way are they what are they giving you like where is the defense did they switch did they stay like you need to read it. And it's girls, especially, I think are such not perfectionists, but a lot of them are like, uh, you tell me what to do and I'll do it perfectly. I'm like, no, no, the perfect way is reading what they gave you the correct way. And then making the best, you know, opportunity to score, like taking the best shot possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the thing as I've been coaching and on either side, either gender has been breaking some of the high school thought process of, the point A to point B to point C, mm-hmm. we're going to go back in the stack. We're going to go, you know, those sorts yeah. of things instead of reading what the space is. And so I think that is something where you, you know, a little bit of that free play, which obviously Jamie talks a lot about, um, you know, but just giving them opportunities to kind of figure it out on their own. Like, yeah. I, just, I know when I was at Cornell, I had these grand ideas for our um, player up opportunities and then I just got two really good players that were in the inside and I had a couple people. I gave them one set look. And then if it wasn't there, just let them do their thing. And we were unbelievable on, you, you know, card right. situations. So I think you got to trust your players. They've obviously the fundamentals, they've got to master those. And if you master those fundamentals and, you know, the reads and whatnot, that's where that freedom comes from. And that's where like, 
the the juices start flowing a little bit for me as a coach because now I can be a little bit more creative, give them some different ideas, yeah. and continue to develop and evolve as an offensive unit. That's awesome. I'm excited to watch you guys play. So now on the other end, Allison, which she's kind of heading up, um, uh, I actually was coached by Allison for the Boston Storm. Um, nice. So, yeah, she coached me for a season. But um, what are kind of your guys' main defensive principles? Are you guys just, you know, going to basics right now, one-on-one or, you know, working on zones or both or, you know, what are you kind of doing down there? I think that's been a lot of the fundamental teaching how we want to play, how physical we want to be, where we want to make contact, where to take chances. I, I think we all are, you know, in a perfect world, perfect D, you know, you want to dictate more defensively and kind of make the offense uncomfortable, right? And yeah, you know, I think that's something we're trying to build towards. Definitely like getting on the same page language-wise was super, super important down there. What are what shots our goalies want to see? What shots we want to give up? Um, and so I would definitely say this fall was trying to figure out our identity down there. And it was definitely mm-hmm. starting to come a little bit clearer as we progress through, but I wouldn't even say we're a finished product on there. Like I, you know, I couldn't tell you, even if we were off air and I'm like, Hey, we're going to run X, Y, Z. I don't know if I could do that because we're still like floating around a couple ideas, you know, of how we want to, how we want to proceed strategy wise down there. Just because I, I think, you know, that takes time. It takes trust. And it's, again, finding out tendencies. And I feel like that takes a little bit longer defensively because um, you just need those reps together. And Totally. You know, and you'll figure yeah. out, like, I guess maybe you'll become like, all right, Clemson's known for this defense. Like, you know, right. Stony Brook has their awesome zone that they play majority of the time. Maryland yeah. plays man-to-man very, very well. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, And they don't change it up that often, you know. So you'll figure that out as you guys kind of obviously develop and – get more and more recruits and athletes and all that stuff, which will be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I'm excited in that, in that regard. And now with that, those girls that are playing both on defense and offense, do you guys do a lot of A mid D mids? You're doing more lines or, you know, what do you guys have there? Yeah, I would say we're more A mid D mid. I think it just makes sense. I don't think you mm-hmm. lose a ton in transition um, by by running one off, running one on. Um, you know, I some people will do all three and they'll just like yeah. straight up run the lines. Um, for me, I, I like utilizing the box area to be a to, to inject some variety, right? Maybe on the offensive side, you can run somebody out of the box as a certain skill set that you can incorporate into whatever set you're calling out and it Mm -hmm. gives you a little bit, you know, it's more to scout for the opponent, obviously. And it gives you some variety, right? Sometimes offense gets stale or defensively, you know, maybe you're running somebody out. That's, that's good at doing something. You you know, they bring a skill set down there and you play a little bit differently. So I'm a big fan of it. And I think we'll utilize that. I just, I think the, you know, the strong two way middies, it's tough to find now to like have yeah. six. I think you need six or seven if you totally. want to lines in this fast-paced game, getting up and down the shot clock. 
I just think it's hard to do now, you know, and, you know, would we love to recruit like that? Absolutely. Um, but in year one, we're going to utilize that box um, just to, you know, keep our depth, keep us fresh and continue to be a little bit uh, multiple on either end of the field. Yeah, that's awesome. And now in the midfield, speaking of that, like obviously the draw is such an important part of our game. That have you guys been focusing on that a ton? Have you been figuring out like who's taking the draw? I guess like, and who's been kind of in charge of the draws for your guys' staff? Yeah, so I, I think the draw—that's like the thing I've learned the most um, since I've come down here. Because they'll do individuals. I mean, obviously, if you're winning the draw, you're getting more possessions, more opportunities, time of possession. I mean, the whole thing is just right. Game kind of hinges on it. So we do a lot of work on it. Um, I, I will say that I've been exposed to every part of the game. I, on the draw, I'm like, I, I have no idea. Right. Like, I'm just like, Hey, let's keep it ugly. Um, <laughs> Allison and Madison, our other assistant, um, are terrific there and yeah. they, they work them out and usually we'll run our draw indie as the same time I'm working with the goalies and I'll like look at midfield and I'm like, what, like, what are they even doing right now? And it's okay. It's been successful. You know, I think it was definitely uh, definitely something we were happy with this fall. Obviously, you know, grow there, but it, it's definitely something like if, you know, high school coaches or club coaches listen to this, man, if you guys can dominate at the draw, it's just the margin of error is just so much larger. I just. Oh, it's crazy. Like yeah. uh, you can go from you know, beating a team by three or four in high school and then you don't win the draw the next game and you're, you're going to lose. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it is exciting, not exciting, but it's also frustrating, exciting that the sticks change every year. You know, there's some nuance that's changing. So I think it doesn't even the playing field every year, people are working on different things because there's something else that's changed. Someone else got a better stick, you know, like all those things. And it also is a creative part of the game for you guys as a staff, like, what can we change and do better to, you know, you know, win the possession more? Yeah. I mean, if you look at the draw, that's where the greatest amount of innovation has really kind of taken place, you know, yeah. with, with the different draw sticks that have come out. And it's like, you know, I mean, I was, I was at the camp this weekend and some girl on the other team trotted out with a draw stick. And the girl that was on my team was like, she's got the draw stick. I can't, you know, I, I can't right. do anything. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, we're just gonna have to, you know, try to try to, you know, lose it <laughs> win it, and we'll we'll put people around there and try to come up with a 50-50 and and keep it ugly. But it's uh, it's definitely been really interesting to see how that continues to develop. And you know, people talk about getting rid of it. I don't know if I love that, right. um, but it's definitely a hot you know hot button issue in the game. And it'll be interesting to see how they how the rules try to catch up with all the yeah. innovation that's, that's come out. It totally I, it must. It's a silly question on my end, maybe, but on the boys side, is there a different stick when they do the face off? So, you know, it's funny, the boys side, the only reason why I know this, my dad's a ref and he says the only reason why he wouldn't ref women's lacrosse is because of the draw setup. He's like, yeah. I'll get yelled at every time. The boys' side, they have specific sticks that are a little bit stiffer, I think, maybe okay. a little bit more pinched. So when they go for that clamp, but right. they've, you know, the boys' side a couple of years back eliminated like a couple of the positions. Like there's the motorcycle yeah. grip, 
you can't go down to one knee anymore because there was like 45, 50 second, like rugby scrums and they right. <laughs> to do it. I think on the women's side, it's hard to do that. Because right. I remember at Cornell, like our draw taker, Annie Thomas would come out and be like, anytime that ref is setting it, I'm not getting the set. And I'm like, oof, you know, like. Interesting. Yeah. Based on the ref. And I know the refs are just trying to. Really? It's not their fault. Well, yeah, they might put it there. and they're yeah. Doing it, yeah, they're doing it different. And I know they're really working to try to standardize and, and make it more consistent. But. That's always, you know, it kind of hurts my brain to think about at times. <laughs> so many variables that come in, you know. It's totally. I mean, I guess it puts it on that draw taker to figure it out. Like, all right, when this ref comes, I need to move my hand this way. Or like, I need to talk to my person on the circle to get them on the page because, you know, it's going to change. So just yeah. creating that like decision maker and the draw taker as well. Like, hey, yeah, you got to make decisions there that only you can make because you know better than I do. Right, right um cool let's talk a little bit about uh, there's a lot of high school athletes and parents that listen to these podcasts just talk about like what you see um in the lacrosse girls when you go to watch recruiting like what's something that like sticks out any recommendations for them like hey when I go watch tournaments I'm looking for this and then avoid doing this and kind of talk about that yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and I speak for probably every coach in the country, there is a physical attribute piece of it that gets, you know, that catches our eye. When you start mm -hmm. diving deeper, and especially, honestly, on offense and defense, I love to see what you do without the ball. Um, you know, I think there's one ball out there, there's seven, you know, offensive players, what are you doing to help your teammate? What's your IQ like? And so really paying attention. Are you moving? Are you, you know, are you moving off ball? Are you creating space? Are you freeing up a cutter? Do you realize, you know, hey, I'm making my cut and then I just clog it up or am I, get, you know, exiting the eight? So I think really paying attention to your off ball movement is a way to really kind of move up those lists and catch a coach's eye. Um, and that's, the best club teams and the best high school teams are repping that, you know, and they're, they're really trying to, to invest on that side of the ball. And you can say the same thing defensively. Obviously, if you have a great 1v1, terrific, right? Boom, you catch my eye. But the next time the ball's down there and you don't have it, what are you doing? Are you talking? Are you communicating? You're three away as a slide. Are you talking? Are you talking? To the to the number one slide, the one slide. Are you saying, hey, you know, Kelly, you're ready. You're ready to go, right? Like, mm -hmm. we want to see that communication. We want to see those things. And then I will say, you know, a non-lacrosse aspect of it is, you know, your influence is never neutral, right? I stole that from Margaret Corzell. I think she took that from UNC when she was playing there. But, like, what's your body language? Even if you're not saying anything, what are you showing? Are you showing that, you know, frustration? Are you pumped up that, you know, hey, you didn't get a touch, but your teammate just scored a goal? Like, are you celebrating the little things? Are you, you know, working hard in the ride? Are you listening to your coaches? And we mark down those things as well. Because if, mm -hmm. you know, if we see it at where you're trying to impress people that there's negative body language or the palms up or shaking your head, head down after a mistake, 
then what's it going to be like when, you know, you're, you're competing at, at the next level. So that, I know I sound like I'm on my soapbox a little bit on that one. No, but, I love it. Yeah. You know, really trying to make sure you pay attention to your, to your body language, the way you communicate, the way you trust people, you know, the way you interact with your teammates. I think all those things go into when we're evaluating student athletes. Yeah. I mean, and as a coach, like talking to you guys one day about those athletes, those people that have that amazing body language that have that excitement are the easiest people for me to, to speak about. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I, one of my former players transferred to Syracuse a couple of years ago. And I was just like, I can't explain her, but you're going to be so happy that you have this girl on the field. She's like a game changer. Like they both just have this like energy and culture about them. doesn't matter if they made a million mistakes, you're still going to love them. After yeah. like week one, Kayla was like, I love these girls. Like, you know what I mean? And I was like, I told you, like, I, like they're going to get better just because of like their mindset of, you know, just that, you know, they're going to high five someone else that scored. They're going to be working off ball. They only care about like that energy and why not make the best of it. And it's, it sounds so easy to do, but very few do it all the time. Oh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I can count on two hands, been coaching 12 years, men's, women's, like I said earlier, everywhere in the athletes that like have it on all the time are very, very unique. And we're not saying, you know, everybody's going to have a yeah. down moment. Everybody's going to do that. But like, if we see it one tournament, we see it another tournament. All right. Sample size is growing a little bit. Is this yep. kind of what you're, you know, what you are? I mean, perception is reality in this world. And so I think, you know, paying attention to that, you know, being selfless, which is one of our core values here, having gratitude, which is one of our core values here at Clemson. Like, we want to see that. Like, are you thanking your coach? You know, do you guys finish up last game of the day? And are people saying thank you? Like, and yeah. being grateful. I think those are the things that really, you know, talent's great. Talent, we want talent. But we also spend a lot of time around these student athletes. And we want to make yeah. sure that they're grateful that they're selfless, that they want to put in and give in to others and continue, you know, make people better around them. And if we have those, I mean, that's, that's when you're cooking something special with a team culture. Totally. I mean, if that person also has amazing talent, that's like a, the ultimate, the that's ultimate package. That's yeah. <laughs> um, finishing up with recruiting a little bit too. What are some things like, what do you like to recruit at the best? Is it the tournaments? Is it the camps? I kind of, I guess people just like to know, should I go to a camp? Should I do both? And what's kind of your personal reflection on that? Yeah, I think for, for us, you know, I love working with a student athlete directly. Not mm -hmm. saying the tournaments aren't great. They are great. I, I think seeing against top talent, good versus good. I think that's, that's definitely beneficial and part of the evaluation process, but getting them on campus at our camps, seeing how I coach, see how I interact with the players working the camp, seeing how the coaches interact, and then being able to work with you, you know, in the shadow of Death Valley is kind of, it's kind of cool, you know, and so yeah. we're all about getting them down here and seeing what we're about, because at the end of the day, I, I think Clemson's a really special place and a really, I mean, you can see with the football team, men's soccer one the national title a year ago, I mean, nationally ranked in a bunch of sports, you know, you know, that this, this, uh, this school is all about 
providing great academic experience, but also providing a great athletic experience. And so if they get down here and they can see that and see us, and we can evaluate them and see how they interact, even with our players, I think that really helps us as, you know, we get down to that nitty gritty where we need one attacker. All right. Yeah. Well, you, you know, our, our girls really like her or whatever it might be. That might yeah. be a tiebreaker, you know? Totally. No. Yeah. That's huge. And that you actually almost answered what I tell, you know, my girls a lot too, is like, Hey, you had one bad game at a tournament. It doesn't really matter. You're going to have, it's like a starting point for coaches to see like, you know, Oh, I really like the looks of this girl or I don't, but it's not their deciding factor. They have to work with you. Yeah. Like you have to like have a conversation with them and on field at some point. (laughs) Yeah, no. And I think, I mean, and at the end of the day, like, you know, like your, your event last weekend, which was terrific. Like, that's great too. I'm, you know, we're Mm -hmm. rotating through, we're working with them, you know, a couple, two, three times each kid. I mean, that, as long as we get that interaction, it at least yeah. gives us an idea of how you're coached. But in a perfect world, yeah, we would have everybody come down here, take a look totally. at campus, fall in love with it, and go from there, you know? Yeah, I mean, and it's really big for the athletes listening. Like, you need to get down and get that feel when you step on that campus. Like, oh, I, I can see myself being here. I love the way the coaches were. I love the way the team was interacting. Like, um, getting there to really feel yourself there is important as well because it's a two-way street when you get to the part of the actual recruiting. Absolutely. Well, and I think it's important, you know, for us, like Clemson University, everybody knows what the Paul is, you know, but then they're like, all right, well, where in South Carolina is it? You know, and then like seeing the area, seeing the school pride, and then dry, you know, even if you're down at one of our camps, you're seeing that every, you know, sport has their own facility. You know, you can see investment and you can do that in any school and kind of see, you know, what it's like for athletes and regular students. And you just get the full picture that's, you know, that can't be, can't really be accomplished by just, hey, jumping online and like looking at a couple of pictures. Totally. That's awesome. Well, hopefully there's a lot of future Clemson Tigers coming out to play for you one day listening to this podcast and we wish you the best of luck this season um February 11th right yeah February 11th we're uh, we're gassed up for it I just you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be fun first game ever can't wait for that first goal it's gonna get uh it's gonna get I know I'm excited I'll be following you guys and I'll definitely have you back on mid-season so we can get a little recap of how it's going and if you're still this excited or if it's super hard or you're like you know (laughs) You know, if anything, like if you get me halfway through the season, if I'm tired, it's going to be because of the four kids. It's not lacrosse. I hear, I hear yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, you're in the same boat as me right now. Yeah, I only got one, though. Phil made me feel a lot better. <laughs> four is just, yeah, now we're uh, we're drinking from a fire hose right now. Just <laughs> trying, to, trying to get through it. So That's awesome. Well, they're going to be uh, watching you guys on the field as well also, all season long, too. So it'll be exciting yeah. for them. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Billy, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. And have a great holiday and I'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.